0: Our scripture today is Isaiah chapter 1, the book of the prophet Isaiah. Hear now God's word. Isaiah chapter 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amaz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Ziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens. And give ear, O earth, for Yahweh, the Lord, has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib or manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Whoa, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. Seed of evildoers. Children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel they are utterly estranged. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate. It's overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left (laughs) Like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If Yahweh Sabaot, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beast. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you, this trampling of my courts. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice To the fatherless, the orphan, plead the widow's cause. Come, let us reason or debate together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land, but... If you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companies of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross with lie and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice. And those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together. And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired, and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers, and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark. And both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Um, Isaiah's revelation, Isaiah's revelation. What he sees is a summons uh, for a covenant lawsuit. Here we have Isaiah, Yeshayahu, Yes, the Lord is salvation, but the Lord comes in righteousness and in judgment, summoning his people for a covenant lawsuit. And really more than that, it's really personal here, a parent's complaint against rebellious children and covenant breakers. So obviously there's a whole lot in here. Obviously, you know, we could go on for hours. You know, I'd kind of like to unpacking all this, but we don't have that kind of time for here. I've decided maybe on Wednesday nights we'll take little segments and unpack a few more of these terms and phrases because this is rich. Um, maybe just kind of do breakout excursus on Wednesday nights some. But let's just go, let's go ahead and cut to the chase here. Uh, we can draw out of this message from Isaiah chapter 1, which obviously we need to pay a whole lot of attention to if we're going to understand the whole book of Isaiah. At least this disposition that the Lord brings to bear. This is the Lord. This is the Lord bringing his covenants, complaint and lawsuit and summons and the father coming to his chosen children who have rebelled and become strangers to him, turn their backs on him, become like the goy, like foreigners. Here's the disposition. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children will die. There is a point of no return. Let me be very clear about that because God is very clear about that. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children will die, yet Zion shall be redeemed. Literally ransomed. The price is going to be paid for Zion and for the remnant that will be faithful and called unto the Lord. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children will die. God is a covenant-making God. Unfortunately, and perhaps as just a reflection of our, let's just be simple about this. Give me one or two rules and one or two transactions and let me get myself saved and then I'll just kind of float through life. A lot of Christians miss this huge point. Obviously, we've been spending a lot of time in our Bible studies on Wednesday night talking about covenant, right, in order to understand the Bible. God is a covenant-making God, and God gives covenants and makes covenants. This is central to reading the scripture, to understand the covenants. Now, if you tell me, well, pastor, that's the Old Testament. And although the Old Testament comprises most of this book that we call the Holy Bible, I'm really not interested in all that stuff back there. Just give me the last few books. Yes, okay. What are the last few books called? Fire insurance policy? Let me sign my fire insurance policy and get out of here. Just give me it simple. This seems awfully complicated. What are the last books of the Bible called together? Hmm? wish list, some helpful advice in case you need a little spiritual five-minute meditation. What are they called? The New Testament. Testamentum Latin for what? Covenant. We are saved through a covenant. The cup of the new covenant. In my blood, Jesus says, shed for your sin. Our relationship with God, to the extent you have a relationship with God, is a relationship of covenant. And you can say, but yes, but you know, in the Old Testament, I mean, that's all that conditional stuff. And in the New Testament, there are no conditions. Oh, no, 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 no. That's popular Christianity that's watered down and an abomination to the Lord, okay? It's irrevocable in Christ. But you don't think he gives you commands? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Wait a minute, you mean he's serious about this? And a relationship with him means a real all-in command? Pray like this, our Father in heaven. Your kingdom come your will be done. Hallowed be your name. This is covenant language all the way through. We are called to be part of a household, a covenant household in which there are expectations, in which there is a call, in which there's a claim on all of us, not 2% of us, not 5% of our lives, not a little part. If I, if I happen to have a tip left over for God here, and if I have a few minutes over here, no, it's an all out claim. You're either in your electronic device right now or you are before God. You're either wandering around after your own desires or you are seeking God as your one true desire. This is the message of what Jesus brings to us, what you read in the closing books of the Bible, the new covenant. God is a covenant-making God. And he calls us, To covenant faithfulness and to citizenship as a new people, a nation, a people, a heavenly kingdom unto himself, and a family that loves him and glorifies our Father in heaven. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel, Jesus says. You're a light to the world. This high calling. And um, covenant meal, what do we have? What does Paul warn us? Do not take in an unworthy manner. Or you drink and eat judgment upon yourself. That's covenant language, folks. That's the new covenant the New Testament, that's Christian faith. You're citizens of heaven. But let's be honest, we don't like much of this, right? We don't respond well in our flesh to this because here's the thing, we have a really interesting relationship with justice and truth in our flesh, don't we? When we are offended, we demand judgment. But when we offend, do we want justice and judgment? No. We want mercy. When our children are offended, we want justice and judgment. When our children offend, oh, come on, can't you let him go? Come on, get, get him off. I know, I know he was drunk and driving, but, but he needs to have a car and he needs to have a job. Come on, give him another chance increasingly in this age, we deny guilt in the first place and in the last place altogether. We deny that our children are guilty. How can you say that? My child is perfect. My grandchild? How dare you? And let him go, please. He may have made a mistake, but he didn't mean it. It wasn't his fault. We tend to do that increasingly now with our politicians and the parties that we like, right? (laughs) Our guy, who cares? It's not about his personal morality. It's just about he makes the decisions I like. But their guy, do you see how bad his personal morals are? This is indicative of how bad he is. I mean, we play this game right and left. God does not play this game. God does not play this game. God is truth. God is justice. God is holy. At the center of who God is, as we've been seeing from the book of Isaiah, God is holy. And we deal in his holiness with that coming together of justice and judgment, mercy and forgiveness. Saving love means saving wrath also. The Holy One of Israel. Righteous perfection is the only way you can be saved through grace. Righteous perfection, the only way This is is the holy God of the new covenant, indeed, the holy God of all holy scripture. So here we have this. Here's this question before us, the question that was before Judah and Jerusalem. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Who's going to be stupid enough to bite the hand that feeds you? Just walk around Starkville or walk around Atlanta or walk around New York for five minutes and I'll show you real fast. Will you bite the hand that feeds you? Will you refuse the call of the father who loves you? Here's your question. Here's the question for your household, for my household, for our church. Will we receive or will we reject the ransoming redeeming claim of his son in his way of righteousness. So back to our basic disposition, there's a lot in this chapter, but here's a basic way of looking at it. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children die. That's part of the bottom line. Dumber than donkeys, rebel children will die. They will be condemned. Yet Zion shall be redeemed. God will prevail. Yes, God will be glorified. The Holy One of Israel. So let's dig in a little bit, and then we'll pull back some more. Number one, dumber than donkeys. Verse four. I started with this just because it's both funny and very convicting, right? Dumber than donkeys. (sighs) Dumber than donkeys. Um, Verse 3, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's. Ibus actually means manger. And yeah, we do have a little forecasting, a little bit of prophecy here about Jesus in the manger, right? If you want to read that in there. At least the animals knew that Jesus had arrived, right? When they placed him in a manger. Sometimes we don't know that. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Who's going to refuse the master's voice? Well, an ox will not, right? If an ox is going to live, an ox is going to come when the master calls. A donkey knows that the food is put in the manger. A donkey will come. Not a prize winning dog, but just a half decent dog will not bite the hand that feeds it. Right? Guess what? Some people, lots of people, are stupider than that dog, are dumber than the donkey who knows to come to the manger, are so hard-headed that they will refuse their owner's call. If you're upset with me at this point for being reflective of the scripture all i have to say is it's right here in the scripture it's here in the scripture and it's kind of funny it's hebrew humor it's part of the vision that the lord gives to isaiah so what this is talking about is a rejection of even rudimentary decency after all who gives you your life who gives you everything you have who gives you your job who gives you your 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 uh, Cell phone in the first place, right? (laughs) Who actually actually is giving you everything you have and he doesn't warrant a little bit of attention? A lot of attention? But also common sense and loyalty. This is unnatural stupidity when we sin and especially when the call people of God sin against God. This is what the scripture is talking about here. Even donkeys and oxen are not as dumb as we are most of the time. That's what the Bible is saying. This is a crime against nature. A crime against nature. See, here's the thing. Sin is not only unreasonable, it's also unreasoning. That's the way Matier puts it. Sin is not only unreasonable, it's also unreasoning. It's really dumber than a donkey. So what happens with this? Well, God's just going to keep forgiving us forever, right? I mean, uh, we are the special people. Jerusalem is the special city. Um, We did make a profession of faith at some point, didn't we? Kind of, at least we thought we did. Um, So God's just got to stick with us no matter what. Nope, nope. Rebel children die condemned. Here, verse 2 Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared up and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Well, what happens? Over to verse 28 of this chapter. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. That is the verdict of the covenant lawsuit. That's the disposition of the rebels. Yet Zion shall be redeemed. Uh, Just down from 28 verse 27, Zion shall be redeemed by mishpat, by justice. The the Lord's order will be restored. The Lord's order will be restored. The Lord's order and righteousness and justice will prevail, Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent, who repent, shall be ransomed by the righteousness of him himself working in us, right? It's Romans, Romans. Um, your choice, our choice. What do you want to be? Ransomed and redeemed? Or rebels ruined, and heading for the consuming fire. Now, this message, this reality, and this disposition runs all the way through the book of Isaiah. So, Isaiah, at the very end, chapter 66, verse 22. Our tendency, my friends, is to read only the first verse. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your Zerah, so shall your seed and your name remain. This is the promise to Abraham. It's being reconstituted here and it moves forward. It's awesome. The name and the seed forever and ever. Yeah, but other choice. 23 and 24. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they, verse 24, so here they are worshiping, right? This is awesome. Verse 24. And they shall go out and look at the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled. Same Hebrew as back in chapter 1. In the constellation of Hebrew sin terms, uh, you know, you've got sin, right? You've got twistedness of own, you know, our fallenness and our bent towards missing the mark and sinning. But at the most intense level, you have outright rebellion. Outright rebellion. Pesha. And that's the verb that, and that's the that's the terminology, the noun and the adjective too, that dominates from chapter one all the way here to the last verse of Isaiah. And they will go out and look at the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm, yes, this is where this passage comes from. For their worm shall not die. Their fire shall not be quenched. And they shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. Amen and amen. Our choice. Part of the redemption. Or part of the rebels. We live and we move in choices under our covenant making Father in heaven. And you can say again, let's just say, well, Pastor, that is the Old Testament. We get a much happier ending to the New Testament. Oh, yes, let us turn then to Revelation. Revelation 21 3 through 8, and you're going to see that the Revelation. Tracks directly with Isaiah, as I mentioned in last week's sermon. Revelation 21, 3 through 8. We love the first part. We need to read and not memorize one verse out of context. We need the whole context, right? Revelation 21, verse 3, and picking up. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. A man in a mane, and most people close the book right now, but the Bible isn't written like that, right? I do want to be part of the redeemed, don't you? I do want to be part of. Uh, The restored and redeemed Zion. But let's keep reading. Former things passed away. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Well, that's chapter 21. Maybe let's go over to 22 and see if the story changes. What do you think? You think it's going to change? 22, 12 through 15. Behold, the Lord Jesus says, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside, outside the gates, are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Isaiah 1, Isaiah 66, Revelation 21, Revelation 22. That's the disposition. Your choice. So um, briefly, a few things here. Chapter one, verse one, Isaiah. Kazon. The Lord gives Isaiah revelation. He's he's dealing with all of Israel and the larger story of history, but he's really focusing Isaiah on Judah and Jerusalem, Kazon, the vision, the revelation for Isaiah, and Isaiah sees Kaza. He sees. He understands. Uh, throughout the scripture, there's uh, talk about revelation. You know, back in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're told that it's a time when there are not many revelations or words coming from the Lord. And the Lord raises up Samuel. Okay? In 1 Chronicles 17, we get the message about in accordance with all these words, and in accordance with this vision, Nathan brings the message of the eternal covenant to David. First 1 Chronicles 17, 15. Because Nathan gets the word and the kazon, the vision of what God is going to do in establishing a kingdom that will not end through David. Same thing, Psalm 89, 19. Once you spoke in vision, kazon, to your godly ones, and I said, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. And this is talking about David. And the covenant with David. Again, God is a covenant-making God. You really need to know the covenant with David. You need to know Jesus. You need to know Messiah. But here, the revelation, the Kazon, turns out not to be really good news. It's a a high-level warning, not only to Jude and Jerusalem, but also, my friends, to you and me now, in 21st century United States of America and the world in which we live, covenant lawsuit. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Notice the Lord calls as his witnesses and basically as his jury the heavens and the earth. Now, this reverberates through Isaiah because he's going to establish a new heavens and a new earth, right? But notice here, even in the fallen creation in which we live, um, does the sun say, I'm not going to shine today? Hmm? Sun ever say that? Do, um, Does the water say, when it freezes, I'm not gonna become ice? I've decided I wanna be, I don't know, a monkey. When it freezes, I'll change from flowing water into a monkey, because that's who I feel like I am today. Does the water do that? No, so the heavens and the earth, do they obey the Lord's order? Yes. Guess who does not obey the Lord's order? All creation is called to judge us. (laughs) This is what's going on here. The Lord calls, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Moses warns us in Deuteronomy chapter 32, this is going to happen. The the heavens and the earth are going to (laughs) be called in to judge against you if you are unfaithful. And the Lord, uh, through the song of Moses, already puts that in motion in Deuteronomy 32. Do not think the Lord goes on to say that out reforms and your proposed spiritual transactions are gonna satisfy me. Your prayers for help, when you've got blood on your hands and you're not actually loving your neighbors and you're more concerned about your stuff than the things of God, do you really think I'm gonna hear you? You're disgusting to me, the Lord says. You're trampling my courts, who called you in here? Yeah, we don't know if if what Isaiah is seeing here is a vision of uh, the Syro-Ephraimite coalition coming down and, you know, raiding into and bringing defeat, some early defeat in the 730s to Judah. Or we don't know if this goes all the way through and seeing Sennacherib, you know, at the end of the century, devastating everything but Jerusalem, Lachish being totally burned up. So many of the cities of Judah being totally burned up. But we know this, the Lord is calling us to real repentance. Let's go ahead and get there as we move um, to round this out today. The Lord hates hypocrisy and he calls us to real repentance. This is not just about Judah, my friends. Let me make this very clear. This is about you and me. This is why this is in this book. This is why the Lord is speaking to you and me right now. And it is our choice So the Lord calls us to real repentance. There is a tendency to cherry pick and pull out a verse here or there from the Old Testament and to not know what's going on. I grant you, I love this call to God's redeeming grace, but it is a call through real repentance and real choice. Meaning um, we can't just read verse 18 by itself. Let's read 16 through 20. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek. You wanna know what you need to throw all yourself into? All your social media into? All your personal efforts into? Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Then, verse 18, come now, let us reason. This could also, as the, um, as the ESV footnote gives you here, let's dispute this, let's debate this. Come, let us reason, let us debate together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, there's that high level, intense level sin there. Rebel, that pasah again there, okay? If you refuse and rebel, you are going to be eaten up. By the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Today, I want to invite you. Come to the Lord. Seek him. You need to debate with him. (laughs) It's not going to be much of a debate. Come, reason, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in his righteousness. And you will be, though your sin, though my sin is like scarlet, he'll wash you white as snow. Come to him. Come home, rebel. At least follow the donkey and get to the manger. And you'll find the Lord there And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.